welcome to the latest episode of the Dying Daily Podcast. In a general sense, this entire year is going to be about living mindfully. It's going to be about mindfulness as more than a practice, of mindfulness as more than just something to make boring meetings interesting um, and intolerable relatives more tolerable. I really would like to see us dig into what it means to live mindfully on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis, and to really dig into the, I guess what we'd call the ethical underpinnings of the practice. I often see it presented as kind of an amoral thing or as something that can just fit into any ideology or way of living, and I don't think that that's the case. I think that there is a very clear implication of there being a right way to do this or a more skillful way to do this. And so we're kind of going to explore that this year. I'm going to get some recorded meditations put up. And yeah, I think it'll all be good stuff. But I think the very first thing we need to do is take a look at who I am, why I'm talking, why anybody should listen. And I think this is an important question to ask. It actually kind of worries me that we don't ask this question very often. We see people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, with a good website, and they seem to have some authority. They seem to know what they're talking about, and so we listen to them. And, you know, to a great extent, that's really dangerous. Um, You know, when we see this in the religious world, we're pretty quick to ask, you know, why would we trust that person? Why would anybody listen to them? But a lot of times we don't do that with people that we like. And so... And so I think that's a good direction to start off with, with who I am, what I do, why I have any business having this podcast, apart from the fact that I could afford a microphone and I have the time to sit around and talk every once in a while. So my name is James Henson. I live in Lubbock, Texas, which is in the West Texas High Plains Desert out in the middle of nowhere. I work as a counselor and life coach um, and a meditation teacher. This is what I'm doing with my time right now. It's not what I see myself doing forever. It's certainly not what I've done for most of my life, but I've been, I think I've been doing this for like seven or eight years now, and it's gone really well, and I've really enjoyed it. Before that, I worked, uh, man, I've had so many jobs. My wife and I were actually counting them up one time, and we landed somewhere around, I think it was like 63 is what's on the list. I've waited tables, I've worked retail, I have worked construction, I have, I worked in a lot of hotels when I was going to college. I have worked, oh, I worked with kids a lot. I really enjoyed that. I've worked at universities. I've been an adjunct professor. I was a campus mentor for a few years. And more and more come to me as I keep going. So it doesn't really matter. I've just worked a whole lot of jobs. And I really see what I'm doing now as a, it's a, it's an accumulation of all those things, of the things I learned in those. But it's also not the last step. I still think there's, there's other things out there for me that I'm constantly working toward. But right now, that's what I do. As far as the counselor thing goes, I think it's super important for me to point out that this is not a psychology-oriented podcast. This is not a substitute for counseling. And, you know, if you're really struggling with something, a podcast is not necessarily the way to go. I think you can find useful things on podcasts, and I love them, and I'm constantly listening to them. But there's not really a substitute for sitting down and talking with, like, a licensed, well-trained professional. So, just bear that in mind. The life coaching, I really, really enjoy. I find that that is where my strengths lie. I'm good at helping people figure out what to do next. I'm good at concrete problem solving with people. I'm good at helping people figure out what it is they want to do. And that's probably the direction I'm headed. But, you know, I'm not in charge of that. I don't have much say in the direction I'm going. That's uh, There are things bigger than me that, that, that have a say in that. And so I try not to 
get too fixated or attached to any one idea in that regard. So I have a few degrees and certifications. I have a bachelor's in social work, a master's in sociology, and a master's in counseling. I'm working to become a certified life coach right now, and I am a certified mindfulness and meditation instructor. But here's the deal. All those degrees and all those certifications and all of that, I don't believe that those qualify me as someone that should be listened to. I know a lot of people with more degrees and certifications than me that I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't let them counsel my cat, you know? In a lot of ways, I think that who we are as people cannot be ignored in the midst of all this. And I've really found that most of the learning that I picked up over the years, most of the things that I really was able to kind of dive into came from life experiences and just from the things I learned along the way. And being 100% honest, the things I learned along the way came from making really bad choices, from being really foolish for most of my life. And so a lot of what I talk about on here, a lot of the things that I've learned and come across have come from me trying to dig myself out of a hole. Uh, I was talking to somebody on the phone and they said that uh, a lot of the stuff that we talk about, a lot of the stuff that I teach comes from my bones. And I really liked that. I really, that's what I look for in people is I want to, I want to hear something from someone that comes from their experience, that comes from it helping them, from it being useful in their life. Like, I like that in a very, I like the very concrete stuff. I want the stuff that's actually going to make a difference in my life and the life of other people. So I think the clearest thing I could say about myself is that Throughout my life, I have had a remarkable ability to turn vast amounts of privilege and opportunity into um, consequences and destruction. I've been so fortunate in my life. I have parents who love me. I had a childhood surrounded by many adults who loved me and cared about me. I have always been intelligent enough to learn the things I needed to learn. I have always been personable enough to at least not have everybody hate me. I've had a lot of just privilege in my life. But at some point, things just started to go wrong. And I really don't know why. I've been to counseling for this. I've talked to people. And it just seems like at some point in my early life, things just took a turn on me mentally and emotionally. I remember the world becoming a dark place. I remember the world becoming uh, an unhappy place. I remember a sense of impending doom all the time. And I've had people offer their opinions on what that meant. I've had people, I've got the diagnoses. Um, I've had a million different counselors give me a million different labels and reasons for why I was the way I was. And the one thing I've really arrived at through all of it is that it doesn't matter. It's what happened. It's what I had to sort out, and that's really the end of the story for me. And if I'm honest about it, I'm very grateful for all of it because it put me on a path to doing what I'm doing now and to learning the things that I've learned that have since brought me freedom. So these things that kind of shifted in me when I was young, none of them brought many good things into my life. As a teenager, I've had people tell me I, I hit it well, but... Really, when I look back at my teenage years, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't relive them for a, a really large amount of money because they were just years of suffering. Much of it self-inflicted. But the thing I've really had to come to terms with over the years is that the things that we inflict on ourselves, we inflict on ourselves for a reason. We are responding to something else. A vast majority of the time, we are responding to our suffering. And our response to our suffering causes us more suffering. And that's a pretty 
succinct way of looking at my teenage years. I suffered. I responded poorly. I created more suffering for myself. And I created a great deal of suffering for the people around me, especially the people who loved me and cared about me and wanted the best for me. So, of course, drugs and alcohol were present. That was part of my response to suffering that was really poor and led to more suffering. I ended up dropping out of high school my senior year. Um, I got my diploma through the mail because my father pretty much forced it on me. And I took the SAT because he forced it on me and ended up going to school um, or following my friends to college. And that predictably didn't go well either. I got kicked out of my first four colleges, if I remember right, mostly due to drinking. Uh, I think alcohol was such a negative factor in my life over those years that I wasn't really capable of getting much done. But there were a lot of other things going on as well. Uh, Looking back, I can recognize I was deeply depressed. You know, there were things in there like self-harm and just just incredibly self-destructive behaviors that I look back and, man, you know, for the longest time I'd look back and when I look at like adolescent James, teenage James, early 20s James, I just hated that guy. He was just such a dumbass and he was just so full of shit that I really struggled with even being able to like believe that he existed or, you know, even just like tolerate his existence in my mind. And so for many, many years, I completely cut myself off from my past. I just didn't talk about it. I didn't really talk to people from that time period. I didn't watch movies that I'd watched at that time. I didn't listen to any of the music. Like, I really just exiled myself from myself, which was, of course, a super healthy way to deal with that. And it all worked out really well. But I really did. I really struggled with just everything so much at that time. And I went into this place of just deep self-blame when it comes to that, to, to just early young James. So all through all that, um, I really understand that people like stories and they like to hear details about this stuff, but that's kind of a difficult thing because number one, our memories are not that good in the first place. Uh, I know we all like to think that we're right when we remember things, but I mean, just nothing bears that out. We don't remember things very well. That is heavily complicated in my case by drugs and alcohol and intoxication of various kinds, but also by an overwhelming and crippling depression, which uh, a lot of people don't understand, that wipes your memory as well. The other thing I think that's problematic with stories is that unless it's a story that involves just me, I'm involving other people in this without their permission. You know, I'm telling their story as well. Anything that involves somebody else, when we tell it, we're telling somebody else's story too. And I haven't gotten to a place where I'm comfortable doing that yet, even if I strip away names and stuff like that, because People who knew me could piece it together, and I don't know, that just doesn't seem respectful or fair. So that's why I'm not really going into a lot of specific stories in this. I'm trying to hit the high points or I really like the low points, if we're honest, about most of my life without going into too much detail. So, you know, I get it would probably be more fun to have specific stories, and maybe I'll tell them down the line. I'm still sorting out where I stand on all that. Um, I want to make sure that if I'm telling a story, I'm telling it for a purpose, that I'm telling it for a reason, that it's appropriate for people to know about me, and that I'm not just like feeding this ego of uh, just, oh, everybody look at me, look at what a dumbass I was, or, you know, seeking sympathy, seeking to create value and validation for myself out of difficult things. That's such a prevalent part of our society now, and it's creating this this notion That the only way you can have any self-worth is if you suffer. And so we're turning suffering into this thing that we might actively even seek out. And I don't know. I don't want to do any of that. um, So I'm sorting that out. So I got kicked out of college. Um, 
I kind of bounced back and forth between different towns in, in, in Texas and it, through many, many different life changes and stuff, wound up moving to Lubbock, Texas around the age of, I want to say 22. And, you know, one of my favorite things to tell about Lubbock is that I used to drive through here pretty frequently. Um, it's kind of a hub out in the middle of nowhere. But I always drove through Lubbock, Texas and said, I will never live in a place like this. I mean, you got to understand, Lubbock, Texas is not the place that anybody envisions themselves finding peace and happiness and joy. It's just not. It's not what it's known for. You know, it's got a college here. It's got, um, it's a medical hub. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fairly just kind of barren place out here. But it saved my life. And so one of my favorite things to tell about Lubbock is just how much it's evidence that we often have no business choosing what happens to us or getting what we want. Because if I'd gotten what I wanted, I would have stayed in Austin and I would have wound up in prison or I would have wound up dead. And I would have just I would have just been another just deadbeat father and human being who didn't do any good for anybody. So Lubbock ended up being really, really good for me. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Like I said, I don't really map this stuff out. So I get to Lubbock, uh, have a baby, and in the midst of that, really recognized that I needed to do something different. Uh, one of the most distinct memories of my life is looking at this little baby, um, who's 17 years old now, but looking at this little baby and just saying, man, you got screwed in the dad lottery. I had this inherent and deep understanding that this kid got robbed by being stuck with me. And for the first time in my whole life, this thought kind of broke through the clouds and just said, well, what if you did something different? And it's sad to think that I was this dumb, but that thought was like a bolt of lightning from the gods straight into my brain. Like, oh my God, what if I did something different? And I started trying and it was clunky at first. It was so clunky. I just wanted to not be stupid. I just wanted to not be an asshole. I just wanted to do something differently. And fortunately, because of the family help I've had, because of the support I've always had around me, I was able to get back into school. I ended up doing well, ended up becoming a social worker, like I mentioned, ended up finding people who saw more in me and who invested in me and who worked for me and taught me how to work for myself. And I thought that was it. I got super invested in the mind and in kind of being an intellectual um, and being smart and doing all these new things with my life. And I thought I had it all together. But what I didn't realize was that I was very emotionally detached. I was very emotionally disconnected. And this was really hard on the people around me. I, uh, you know, I've been married for 11 years now. I think for the first four or five or six years of my marriage, I absolutely suffocated my wife emotionally. Um, and it wasn't on purpose. It was never, I thought that I was doing a good job, man. I thought that, okay, I work all the time and I work hard and this is what a man does and this is how a healthy human functions. And so this is what I'm going to do. And I just about cost myself my marriage in that. And so it's in the midst of that, that mindfulness and meditation really comes to bear in my life. I'd been reading on some stuff, you know, some Buddhism, some, especially Zen Buddhism, some Christian mysticism, stuff like that, that it kind of got me into this understanding that there's more to life than um, comic books and pro wrestling and stuff like that. And that had helped me, you know, it helped me, I'd, I'd quit drinking, I'd quit using drugs, I'd even quit smoking cigarettes. I'd, I'd kind of lived a more healthy lifestyle, but I think that what had really got me invested in it 
was the detachment. I've done earlier podcasts on this, but um, and I've written a bunch of blogs about this, I'm sure. But what really got me about it was this idea of like you can be above your emotions and you can be just all hovering and godlike and all that. Well, that's all fine and good unless you actually want to be a decent husband and a decent father and all of that. So I was in the midst of this kind of crisis in my marriage and crisis as a human being that I realized all these things that my life had built into me, all these um, just kind of, I always, I've always envisioned them as just like these chains that we do. We do things in life. We make choices. And some of these choices wrap us in chains. And over time, our skin grows over those chains and it just becomes part of us. You know, we forget that they that they were from outside. They're still tying us down. They're still tying us up. They're still keeping us in bondage. But they've been there so long that we think they're just part of who we are. And what I tell people about my earliest encounters with meditation was that it was about sitting down in a very, very hot fire so that these chains could start to be burned off of me. And man, it absolutely sucked. When you spend your whole life running from things inside your head, when you spend your whole life running from the emotions that you are trying to deal with, sitting down and learning to simply be with those things is absolutely miserable. I I would have rather been in jail. I would have rather been anywhere except doing what I was doing, but I had this intuitive understanding that this is what I needed to do to become the human I wanted to be, to keep my marriage at all but especially to keep it healthy, to be a good husband, to be a good father. And so that's when I got really invested in mindfulness and meditation. It's been years since then, and I'm still nowhere near a perfect human being. I still make mistakes. I still have this weird detachment at times. I still have a hard time trusting and connecting to people in real ways. But I can tell you that I'm a thousand times better than I would have been without mindfulness. That I'm a thousand times better than I would have been if I hadn't learned to sit. And first of all, steady my mind. Learn to keep my mind on one thing instead of it running all over the place in order to distract me from what I was feeling. And then learning to sit with all of that without judgment, with equanimity, with peace, with compassion for myself. And over the years, I've seen as this has branched out to other people to where I have a really hard time labeling people as good or bad or right or wrong. Um, I tend to just see it all as skillful or not skillful. We're all dealing with really difficult stuff that we don't quite know how to process. And we respond poorly sometime and we increase our suffering. Exactly what I'd done for so long. I think this is what drives me to talk so much about mindfulness, to talk so much about meditation, to talk so much about changing who we are on a core level because I just see so many people suffering. I look at my own life and I see so much suffering, but I also know that I found a way out of it. You know, I might not be perfect these days. I might not even be close and I don't ever think I'll get anywhere close to it. That's probably not my nature. But I do know that I don't suffer anymore. I do know that I have found freedom from these things that used to drive me so relentlessly. I do know that when I make a mistake or when I recognize an area of my life that needs improvement, I can now say, okay, cool. Let's do something about that. Instead of making excuses for it, instead of trying to reason it away, I can just embrace it. I can lean in. And these, this is what drives me to do this podcast, to write the blog, to offer meditation courses, to have a meditation group every week, to work with people individually, is that I 
I don't just deeply believe. I know that there's freedom from all the things they tell us there's not. There are a great many people out there with a vested interest in us not liking ourselves, in us not liking each other, in us fearing ourselves, fearing our emotions, fearing other people. There are a great many entities out there that profit from the discontentment and suffering in this world. Some of them profit in the sense that they, they're trying to help. There's a whole pharmaceutical industry out there that makes just a gang of cash off of this. Um, and they're not, I'm not saying they're bad people. I think that, I think there are times when medication is necessary. I think there are times that it can be helpful, but it's also become a quick fix for normal human suffering, for normal human responses to difficult situations. One of our first things these days is, oh, here, there's a pill for that. There are a great many entities that profit off of us fearing every other human that walks near us, especially if they look different or speak differently or believe differently than us. There, there, there are things out there that profit off of that fear. There are a great many entities out there out that profit off of us not liking ourselves, off of us struggling with how we look and how we feel about ourselves and what we believe and the emotions we have. And they all want to tell us that there's no way out of it, that this is just the human condition, that this is just what we're stuck with. And personally, I don't believe that anymore. My life is not perfect. Working as a counselor, it's not very often that people come to me just to tell me how well things are going. I spend a lot of my time saturated in darkness, and that's hard. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I'm free from the difficulty of that, that I'm free from the struggle of that. I have a family and I have kids and I have these things I want to do. And I, you know, just little things like running errands and paying bills. Like I do all that. I'm just a normal guy. That's the weirdest thing about this podcast to me. I'm just some idiot with a microphone sitting in a room in Lubbock, Texas. I don't live in the mountains in a cave. I don't run an ashram. I haven't started a religion. I'm not wealthy. I'm just an ordinary guy. But I think that there's a lot of value in that in the sense that if I can do it, I think anybody can. If I can find so much freedom from suffering, I really believe anybody can because I'm kind of an idiot. I don't learn things very quickly when it comes to life lessons. I, I hope I do now. I'm always trying to. But the story of most of my life is that God or the universe or karma, whatever you want to call it, pretty much had to knock my teeth in before I would get the idea of something. It had to break my fingers before I would let go of the things that were bad for me. I found that I'm not that way anymore, and I don't have to be that way. And a lot of that has come through investing deeply in a practice of meditation and mindfulness. So that's where it comes from my bones. That's where my experience has led me to start a podcast like this, to blog, to write books, all that stuff. And that's, you know, what I, what's really cool about all this is that, like, the one thing that I'm super fascinated with is the same thing that I'm talking about here. Meditation, mindfulness, just becoming a more complete human. That's all I read about. That's all I watch. That's what I watch documentaries about. That's what I watch YouTube videos about. That's what I listen to podcasts about. That's what I listen to audiobooks about. Like this is just the thing that really informs my life. Like I just love it. And so that's what drives me to want to share it with you. So that's how I got here doing this podcast. The blog started because people told me it might be useful. This podcast started because people told me that might even be more useful because I communicate. I'm a better speaker than I'm a writer. Um, that's where the few videos I have have come from because that's the next things people said. It's really more helpful if we can see you 
But man, I'm, I got to get comfortable with that. That's still just weird to me to have my face. It's weird to have my voice out there. It's weird to have my words out there. So that's where this all came from. And that seems to be the progression. This year, we're going to dig deeply into what this all really means. We're not just going to talk about mindfulness as like, oh, just be aware of what's going on around you without judgment. Oh, follow your breath. We're going to do that, of course. I think that's super important. But we are also going to talk about it all in the context of things like wisdom, compassion, how we deal with other people, how we deal with technology, the ego, and what we mean when we talk about this self. When I say me, when I say James, this little like this, this thing that I'm so intent on protecting and that I'm so intent on being right and I'm so intent on getting what it wants. Like, what is that thing? Where is it? And we're going to look at all these. I'm going to try to keep it on kind of a monthly schedule, but I think if one thing needs expanding, I'll expand it. If one thing's not going to take up a month, let's not take up a month with it. I don't want to be so locked into a plan that we can't kind of pivot and hit what's necessary. So I'm going to try to tie this all together. We're going to have, uh, like, I'm going to have the podcast, this thing right here. I'm going to try to tie that to where the blogs and Instagram posts, it's all cohesive to where it all kind of works together. Instead of me just going with whatever pops in my head, I want to try to tie everything together. And I think that could be really useful and really cool. The really cool thing about all this is that this is how I continue learning. This is how I continue to create this in myself is that, you know, I I sit here and I talk on this podcast and as I'm doing it, I'm as much talking to me as I am to anybody else. I write a blog and I'm writing to me as much as I am anybody else. I post on Instagram and I'm as much posting on there for myself as I try to say these things and then kind of grab them and reincorporate them. So I think that's the real value. That's what's so much fun about this kind of stuff. I still have the mailing list. Um, that was It went out weekly last year. It was a weekly newsletter. And I just found that was too time consuming to do things like this. So the mailing list is still there. What it's going to have is it's going to kind of summarize everything that's going on as we go through, I guess, these different topics. But it also comes with journal prompts that help bring this all into your life in a very real way. It's a lot of fun to listen to podcasts, to read books, to listen to audiobooks, to all that stuff. But if we're not incorporating it in a real way, none of this sticks. And over the years, one of the best ways I've found to bring things into my life is to write about them. Write it down. Writing, I've heard that writing something one time is like reading it 11 times. So so let's tie this stuff into our lives in a real way. That's what the newsletter will be for. Um, So finding finding how to get to all this. My website is jamesscotthenson.com. You can uh, find on there, uh, I have a resource library. That's another way to bring this all into your life in a real way. It's got different infographics and um, short little eBooks. I'm gonna, I'm about to put an introduction to meditation and mindfulness course on there that'll be free that you can use. You can sign up there. And by signing up for that, you when you sign up for the newsletter, you get the password to the resource library. So you can do that at jamesscotthenson.com backslash sign up. That's probably the easiest way. The blog, the podcast are all hosted at jamescotthenson.com and I've got links there to like every platform. I think using Anchor has put me on 11 different platforms with the podcast, if I remember right. So that's an easy way to get to that. Uh, I'm just James Scott Henson on Instagram. It's a public profile. You can look at everything without following me. I don't, I, I have a really hard time caring about the followers and the likes and things like that. What's really important to me in all of this is putting quality things out there that help people, creating these quality things that are useful so that while I'm doing it, it's feeding back into me and helping me on this path, helping me become who I want to be on this path. So you can see my Instagram page without following me. Fine. Do that. You can read the blog. You can listen to the podcast all without subscribing and following and all that. 
that's all cool. Uh, if that's the way you want to do it, that's awesome. I really have no problem with that. So that's the plan for this year. Longer podcasts, longer blogs, longer, more meaningful posts on Instagram. Everything tying into this idea of how do we use mindfulness? How do we use meditation as a way of being? How can these things feed back into us and make us more complete human beings? How can they make us more compassionate, more grateful, kinder, more intentional, better with our time, better with how we treat our bodies, better with how we treat other people? How can we bring these things into our life in a really cool way? I look forward to talking to you next time. Until then, take care.